Simon. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that uh, passage, Revelation chapter 12, or chapter 7, sorry. I'll be reading from that verse. Thank you, Letitia. Thank you, everybody who read scriptures. And then, oh man, you're in, a you're in for a treat. In the back, we have food uh, representing various cultures. And we just want to invite you to come. Just have a seat. Everything's free. Just sit down, eat, go from table to table, try different foods. Uh, we have, you know, from the country of South Central back there, we've got. <laughs> You know, you take your pick and uh, just enjoy, enjoy. We're looking forward to that. Last week we went hiking and we were burning calories. This week we're gonna replace all the calories we burnt and just put them all back and some, amen. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, it says this. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this picture of unity in diversity. I thank you, Father God, that you give us a glimpse of what your people look like as they gather together to worship you. People from every tribe, every nation, every tongue expressing grace, uh, uh, gratefulness for the grace that you've poured out upon their lives. And I pray, Father God, that we be a reflection of what the Bible is describing here. Let us be a people who are grateful, who recognize that our salvation comes from the one who sits on the throne. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, they say that the most segregated time in America is Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Sunday morning at 10 a.m. is the most segregated time in America because people go to their own churches. Blacks go to black church. Koreans go to Korean church. You know, people from the same culture that feel familiar or feel uh, comfortable in, in familiar settings, they will find themselves in churches that express that familiarity. They look for language. They look for style. Uh, uh, you know, Sereños and Norteños don't go together, so they find their own places, right? But we want to welcome everybody here in Victory Outreach Inglewood, right? <laughs> Amen. So if you're from Venice, you might be sitting next to somebody from Culver City. <laughs> Just welcome them, amen? <laughs> I sat down and Ben said, where are you from, you know? <laughs> All kidding aside, no. So, but the Bible gives us here a picture, a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. This is what the church is supposed to look like, a church of cultural variety, a, a, a church where, where that is generous in not just its uh, expression of various ages, because, and that's important that we have people of various ages, but 
people of various ethnicities, various cultures. This is a picture of the, of, of the church in the Bible. We find these people coming together, and despite what is happening in the world, in spite of that, they're able to come together and worship the Lord in peace and harmony. In the world today, we see people preaching division and hatred, right? Nationalism, right? We hear segregation. There's fighting, hate speech, all kinds of crazy things happening in the world. But the church stands apart. The, the church is different. We take a different path to gather together. Uh, some people use the term melting pot. Right? Melting pot to describe how different cultures come together and they kind of blend together in a melting pot. But that's not how I think this happens. And that's definitely not the picture here in Revelation because when you melt it together, you lose your distinction. When you're melting together, everything becomes the same. The, the one color, one you know, consistency. I think a better image is a mosaic, a, a picture, a single picture where everyone keeps their distinct identity, their distinct contribution. Everybody brings who they are and what they are to the same message. We are a mosaic. The church is a mosaic, an expression of what God wants to say in the world today without losing our individual identity, without losing our color, without losing our own contribution. So I want to look at that church today. I want to look at what that church looks like here in the scripture. But before we look at the church, I want to take a look at the world out of which that church came. Because this to me, and, and I probably say this a lot, is one of the most fascinating passages of scripture in the Bible. And I say that all the time because all of them to me are fascinating. And as we get into it, it's like, wow, there's so much happening here. You can't help but to get excited about what God is doing. Uh, here is a picture of, of people worshiping, but, but you lose sight of what's happening around these people. What's taking place in the world around them? There's a lot happening around us in the world outside of these walls. This is the world we engage in. This is the world we live in. This is where we shop and, and live and, and we go take our walks and, and go to the park. Go, you, you know, the world that we live in is a violent world, is a broken world. And out of that world, people are able to come together in unity and worship the Lamb. If you were to read chapter 6, right before chapter 7, you would see the most chaotic scene described anywhere, a, a, a world of chaos. It describes how Jesus began to open seals. He was holding a letter as he stood there on the, on the throne there, and he was holding a letter with seven seals, and, and he began to break these seals one by one. And when he breaks these seals, the wrath of God was poured out upon the earth. God's judgment against the earth. This is happening in the future. This is a picture of the church in the future. And, and as he's there, he begins to break these seals. And, and, and if you can imagine this, this scene, this is John there in heaven as he's watching Jesus. And, and Jesus has these, these seals on the letter and, and, the, and the, the, the world is chaotic and they're resisting God and hating God and, and rejecting God. He sees this picture. 
Now, let me remind you that the church, we have already been raptured, at least some of us, right? We're already caught up in the air and the clouds to meet Jesus. And so this is what happens after we're gone, after believers have left, after believers have been swept away in God's grace. For those that remain, Jesus breaks open the first seal. And the Bible says that a rider on a white horse came riding upon the earth. And we're not told who the rider is, but the Bible tells us that he's dedicated to conquest. Conquest means to conquer. It describes him as having a crown on his head and a bow. It doesn't say that he has arrows, just a crown and a bow. It makes you think that he has something to shoot. It makes you think that this one who has a crown and a bow has something to, to begin to, uh, uh, to exercise his, his authority and his power, but simply by his authority, the world is subdued to him. The world does not resist him. They simply surrender to him. And wherever he goes, nations and people surrender. So Jesus opens the second seal. And there was a rider on a red horse. He came riding upon the earth, you know, on this red horse. And what this looked like, who knows? But he was given authority to take peace out of the world. If you can think about that, if you can imagine that. What happens when you take peace away? Right? Violence, right? And you think about the violence in the world today. The world is filled with violence, but there is a balance of peace in the world today. As much violence as there is, there is law enforcement. There are armies that are stationed around the world to try and keep a balance of, of peace. Right? There, we have a, a, a resistance to chaos that exists in the world. There is something that's holding back the chaos. But the Bible says that this day, when that second seal is broken, peace will be removed from the earth. And as much violence as we see today, this day will be unlike any other in the history of the world. Literally, all hell will be broken loose upon the earth. People will slay each other. If you've ever seen that movie, I think it's called, uh, what's it called? Yes, you guys seen it, right? The Purge. My daughter asked me, is that really going to happen? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Peace will be taken, and not just for 24 hours. Peace will be taken from the earth, and an endless wave of violence will take off. And while this is happening, there was a black horse whose rider held scales in his hands. And the horse will bring severe famine in the earth. What used to be a day's wages worth of groceries, man, you can take a day's wages, whatever that day's wages is, whatever that amount is, you can take that to the store and buy enough for that lasts you for who knows how long. Well, when the black horse arrives, a day's wages will only buy you one meal. And he said, you know, with the scales in his hand, hey, be, be careful with the oil and the, and the wine, because everything, everything, the prices of things will shoot skyrocketed, and it's just devastating the economy. And as people are starving, 
there's another horse that comes. The Bible calls it a pale horse, right? And some verses, uh, it's actually ashen green, the color of rotting flesh. And the rider of this horse is death himself. Death will come riding upon the earth. The Bible says that he'll consume a quarter of the earth's population. That's billions of people. You think about how many people that will be. And that Hades and hell will be riding close behind him. And what death does to the body, Hades does to the soul. What death does to destroy and decay the body, Hades does to punish the soul for eternity. And in a single event, billions of people will lose their lives. And when he opens the fifth seal, martyrs, those Christian believers who had been killed unjustly for their faith, persecuted and killed, will begin to ask God for vindication. God, when will you come and, and, and avenge our death? And it says this, it says, actually it says, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. God asked them to wait. Just wait. Be patient. You're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. And when the sixth seal was broken, there was an earthquake that was so severe that John can only describe it by the results. He says that the sun turned black, like black sackcloth made of goat's hair. He said that the moon's appearance turned, appearance turned red uh, like blood. When you look at the moon at night, it was like, I mean, and I'm imagining because of the shaking in the world, the fires that may take place, that the sky turns so dark that the moon looks like blood. Stars begin to fall out of the sky and fell upon the earth. An earthquake that shook so hard, it, he describes that even the stars begin to fall to the earth and that the sky receded like a scroll. If you can imagine that, seeing the sky roll up like a scroll as if, as if the, the, the sky itself is, is running from from what's taking place in the earth. Tragic times. These are tragic times. The Bible says that mountains and islands will be removed from their places. Then there will be a reversal of attitudes among people. People began to search for death, the Bible says, begging the mountains and the rocks to fall on them. Hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Begging the rocks to fall, begging the mountains to cover us. Bury me so that the one who sits on the throne, I don't see his eyes looking at me. That he can no longer see me. This is how devastating it is in the world. And if that isn't enough, that's only six of those seals. There's another seal that turns into seven trumpets that turns into seven bowls of wrath being poured out. There's a whole lot more coming. But at this point in chapter 7, it begins with four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back four winds that are about to blow, destructive winds that are about to blow upon the, on the earth, winds that are going to destroy all of nature, ready to blow, 
But disaster is interrupted by God's grace. God says, wait to the angels. Hold on before you unleash the winds. And they're standing at the north, south, east, west. And they're holding back the strong wind. Powerful angels keeping these winds from blowing. God says, do not harm the earth until I seal those that belong to me. Until I place a mark upon them. Now remember, the church had been raptured. The church is in, in heaven with Christ, celebrating. We're feasting, man. It's kind of like, almost like today, you know, in the back. Feasting with Christ. And there are these people that are left in the earth, faced with destruction and violence. And God says, wait a minute. In the midst of all that, the gospel has gone out and people have heard it and they're responding. Before you destroy the earth, let me seal those that are left behind. And chapter 7 opens with a description of 144,000 Jews that were set apart and sealed. A mark was placed upon their forehead. If you remember, Satan, the deceiver, the, Satan, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the who uh, is a forgery, is a, a, a copy of, of God, or tries to be a copy of God, he puts a mark on people, 666, remember that? The image, I remember when I was a kid seeing that movie, Damien. Was it The Omen? And he had like 666 on his head somewhere or something like that. I, I was checking, Ben, ben had 665.9, so he was good. I was like, you're good, Ben, you, you know, so that 5.9 saved you. But I remember that like 666, you know, crazy. Here, God says, I will put my mark, a seal that separates, that identifies and protects them. They can go in the earth and nothing will harm them. In the midst of this wrath, in the midst of the chaos. And there was 144,000 Jews that were sealed. And then we come to our verse. Now was all of that to come to our verse in verse 9. After this, after the chaos, the loss of life, the torment, the death, the violence. After this, after Jews were sealed, who could survive the chaos in the world, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. 44,000, that's good. That's a lot of people. But I looked, and I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In contrast to those that were saying, Hide us from the one who sees us. Hide us from the one who sits on the throne. These people stand before the throne worshiping God. They gather together from every ethnicity, every culture, every race of people to worship the one who sits upon the throne. Language doesn't divide them. Nationality doesn't divide them. Street names don't divide them. Ethnicity doesn't divide them. Neither tribe nor nationality, nothing divides these people. This is a picture of the church. This is what the church ought to be. A church of people that come together in unity 
and are able to worship the Lord without violence, in peace. Today, people are divided by ethnicity, right? But the church is described here as one of diversity, vast diversity, multiple cultures, multiple languages. Everybody is represented here. Everybody is welcome here. And as the world around is being, uh, you know, consumed by violence and suffering, here is the church. And what are they doing? They're singing to the Lamb. They're worshiping Him. They're gathered around the throne. They're doing exactly what you're doing here today, what I'm doing here today, worshiping God, gathering in the name of Jesus, singing salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The world doesn't creep into their midst. The world isn't in their language. There's no worldly lyrics here in, in the things that they're saying. There's no, there, there's no hint of the world. They've come out of the world and they're gathered before the Lord. This is on the earth. This isn't a picture of those believers who have been raptured and is with Christ in heaven. This is on the earth. Those who have come out of the tribulation. Look what it says there in verse, uh, verse 13. It says, then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And John, he's answering. I answered, he says, sir, you know. Which is a safe answer, right? You know. And then he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is at the center, the, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. This is a picture of the church, protection. Everything that was happening in the world, God's people are protected. Even those who are left behind that realize, what was I thinking? Why didn't I surrender, submit my life? They have the opportunity to surrender to him. The Holy Spirit guides and empowers the church to break cultural barriers, to break out of cultural prisons, mindsets that keep us locked up into a way of thinking that sees division, tribal, uh, you know, combat, that sees, you know, all kinds of separation, racial distinctions, the Holy Spirit guides and empowers people out of those prisons that we can worship the Lord together. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29, it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit you or benefit those who listen. And then it says in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. 
He goes on and says, to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with uh, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, Amen. just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. But, but going back to what it says, that do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you've been sealed. These people have been sealed kept, separate, protected, sealed by God, that even in the midst of the wrath in the world, they were set apart where harm could not come to them. You have been sealed today by the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve him. Do not grieve. Do not, uh, you know, uh, to grieve is to upset. To grieve is to, uh, to uh, disappoint. It is that feeling, that sense where you go against his will. The Holy Spirit is guiding, guiding you, and you push, and you push enough where he is grieved. Do not grieve the one who has sealed you. He is the mark that keeps you. Man, praise God that you have this seal upon your life, set apart, protected by God in the midst of a world that is chaotic. The church is diverse. The church is a variety of cultures coming together for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to center on and worship the Lamb that sits upon the throne. And that's who it is we worship. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. We thank you this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. You're worthy. You're worthy. Lord, you are worthy. It is you, my God, that we worship. It is you that we worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what the early church did in the practice of uh, the Lord's Supper is that they would gather, the church would gather and have, have communion. And it was a meal that separated uh, the church and made distinction of who it is we belong to. And we take in Christ. Well, we have a meal like that. And it's not a little wafers of bread and a little thing of juice, uh, but a meal in the back. And so that is our communion today, to sit together, to fellowship together, to worship God together. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to open the altars. We're going to open the altars. We're going to ask God to rid us, eliminate in us any kind of thing that would keep us from being a brother to our brother, a sister to our sister that would keep us from fellowship, that would keep us from worshiping the Lamb. Father God, I pray this morning for our church. I pray, Father God, for our sense of unity, the diversity. I pray, Father God, for our people, Lord God, if, if there's anything that may hinder our gathering together, grudges, Father God, feelings of the has. I pray your healing, deliverance, my God. I pray this morning, Father God, that you would make us, my God, agents of change, my God, evangelists, Lord God, and missionaries, ministers, counselors, and pastors, Lord God. I pray that you would raise up men and women, Father God, with a burden, my God, to reach others, Lord God. I pray, Father God, for a breakthrough, Father. My God, I pray change lives, change hearts, Lord God. Oh, God, I pray, create in us a clean heart, my God, and renew a right spirit within us, Father God. Move by your 
compassion upon us, my God. Empower us, Lord God, to be the people of God, a people of distinction in the world, that as we gather together, Father God, my God, your grace is undeniable, Lord God, that the world may see us, my God, that the world may see us and be moved to look towards the one who is able to redeem such a life, Father God. I pray, let our testimony, oh God, let it go far and wide, let it pierce the hardest heart, Lord God. Move in our midst, oh God. Oh God, let our simple presence, our mere presence, be evangelical, Lord God. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst, Lord God. Use us this morning, Lord. Change us this morning. Re renew our minds and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. For I spoke a word, you were singing of.